All right, there are two primary topics that I would like to see us cover in the time we have left this semester. And I, I tend to think that each of them will probably represent a full class period of, of discussion. And the first of those two we will start in today, and that is talking about inheritance among objects in the ABAP programming language, how we write the code, how we use it, and, and so on. If you have done object-oriented programming before, I would trust that you are familiar with the concept of inheritance. Inheritance allows us to take a set of classes that have some relationship with one another and create a, a hierarchy or a tree, if you will, of relationships between different classes. And the whole idea here is this is a way for us to save code, for us to um, reduce the complexity in our programming, to leverage resources that already exist when creating new resources, and, and so on. And the basic idea in class inheritance is we have a, what's commonly called a, a parent class that is a general representation of something that makes sense for us to make a class out of. And of course that parent class has attributes and methods just like we have been creating now for several class periods together. And the basic idea is when we start thinking of this in terms of inheritance, the parent class is going to have attributes and methods that would be common or universal to not only this class, but any of the children that will descend from the class. And the child classes is or are a more specific instance of the parent with added or redefined attributes and or methods. Now we'll work through some examples here together um, or in our time together, but if you think of, for example, last class period when we were together, we were working with the monster class and we defined certain attributes and certain methods of that monster class. Well, maybe it would make sense for us to define a more specific kind of monster. Let's say, for example, a, and I'm not good at monsters, um, what would be like a, what's that? A zombie, okay? And so we could have a zombie that would be a child of the parent class monster. And the idea is a zombie has all of the things that we already defined as attributes would be relevant for a zombie, but the zombie may also have other things that are attributes such as, I don't know, the type of people it likes to eat or, you know, how old it is or whatever have you. So the idea is, is that the child has everything that the parent has, but then has the ability to have more things added to it. So so that's why we say the child is a more specific, or you could even think of it in terms of the child is a more elaborated class than the parent, because it's everything the parent has plus, plus more. Um, this is often described as an is-a relationship, where you would say the child is-a the same thing as the parent. For example, we would say a zombie is a monster because 
the zombie is a child of the monster parent class. And it works that way. The child is a of the same type as the parent, although it doesn't work necessarily that same way when we move from parent to child, because not every monster is a zombie. So every zombie is a monster, but not every monster is a zombie. On the right side of this slide, I have uh, put a uh, representation of the way this is commonly shown in object-oriented UML diagramming, where you'll notice that the way we denote a child of a parent is simply by connecting the child to the parent with an arrowhead going from the child to the parent. So in this case, we have one parent class and then two child classes that are uh, descended. You'll also see people like to use the terms superclass and subclass really as synonymous with parent and child. Uh, the superclass is the parent and the child class is the, the subclass. I probably will, just to keep things simple in our discussion, refer to parent and child. But if you see the term superclass and subclass in some context, don't, don't let that throw you. Comments, questions about this? All right, so here would be a, a hypothetical example. My arrowhead, for whatever reason, doesn't actually connect the bottom shapes to the top shape, but just uh, uh, ignore that uh, typographical uh, element there. So what this is describing is a document class. And by the way, for those of you that, that aren't necessarily familiar with the, the diagramming convention here, you'll notice that each of the classes is, is in a uh, rectangle that is divided into three regions. The top region is the name of the class, the second region are the attributes of the class, and the third region are the methods of the class. And it's very common in, in some conventions to include things like data types and interfaces for the methods and all, but this obviously is a very... Um, reduced in scope diagram. So the idea here is we define a document class and we say that every document has three attributes. It has a document number, it has a date, and it has a document type. And the document class defines certain methods. For example, we might have getters and setters for each of our attributes get doc number, set doc number, get date, set date, get doc type, set doc type, and then like we have done in some of our classes so far, a, a display method, in this case display doc, that would write this document out to the screen. Well then we have a child, and we'll just focus on the left child for the moment, that's a, a PO document, PO here standing for purchase order. Well every purchase order document is a type of document. So we see that is a relationship. And a PO document is going to have the document number, the date, and the document type. So we have all of those attributes. And it makes sense, therefore, for all of the methods that are the getters and setters for each of those to still be available in the child. But the purchase order document adds to it a vendor ID, a company code, a delivery date. Obviously, this is a very simple example. And so the PO document has all of the things that the document has plus three additional 
attributes plus an additional set of methods uh, such as get and set vendor ID that are not fully elaborated here. We also have a sales document that is a child of document and it has a customer ID, a company code, and a fulfill by date that is a part of the kind of that document. Now the reason why I, I picked documents here is because in the context of ABOP development or just enterprise information system development in general, this actually makes a lot of sense for us to think in terms of, okay, every document that we have in our system, what would be the attributes that would represent data fields on that document? And if we said to ourselves, okay, no matter what, every kind of document we create would have these things, then we put that in, in the parent class. And then I'm going to do a slightly different thing than what I'm showing you here on the uh, projected thing. We might say, okay, what are different classes of documents that we have? And we might say that there are uh, financial accounting documents and there are material management documents. And for those of you that have taken the uh, information systems implementation course, you might recall that we talked about there are actually different categories of documents of which those are two. So we might say, okay, so let's think in terms of now, what does every financial accounting document have that is just unique to financial accounting documents? And we might say, well, financial accounting documents, one of the things that distinguishes them is financial accounting always has to um, make reference to the company code. And so we might add that as an attribute for financial accounting. And then we might add two or three other attributes and related methods. And then we could even have a child of FI that would be a specific kind of financial accounting document, such as an asset depreciation document. And an asset depreciation document would have certain fields associated with it that would be unique to it being an asset depreciation document, such as maybe an asset uh, tag number, for example. So what this is doing for me, yes, sir? Um, I know that normally when you're uh, writing a program with inheritance, you have to ref um, in the child program, you have to reference the inheritance to the uh, parent program. So for the, I guess, the grandchild, would you have to do uh, the inheritance for both FI and Don? Or? You, inherit, you only inherit from the parent. Okay. And I'll say this more. And, and what you're going to actually find is, ABAP has what I tend to think is one of the easiest methods of inheritance implementation I've seen. And as a point of fact, it only supports single inheritance. So you would represent, you would reference your parent. So if we think of this like a family tree, this might be uh, grandparent, parent, and child, or you know, parent, child, and grandchild, whatever terminology you want to use. But the, the item that's hanging off the bottom, however many levels down we go, and we can go as far down as we want to, always just references its parent and you get everything upstream from you in the inheritance relationship. Which is why if we look at a material management um, document, 
one of the things that we might see for the material management document is a reference to a, a plant. Okay? That would be unique to it to distinguish it from an FI document. And so now a child of a material management document of which uh, one example of this would be a goods movement. You know, goods movement would have all the things that DOC has, would have the plant field, but it would not inherently have the company code or the asset tag because it is not in that pathway of inheritance. Okay? Questions about just the general concept here that we're shooting for. And the reason why we do this, just to be clear, is this class up here might be 200 lines of code. And all 200 lines of those are relevant for an FI document. All 200 lines of that are relevant for an asset depreciation document. But we don't want to have to rewrite all that code. We basically want to be able to say, give me all that other stuff, and then I'm going to add more and new stuff on top of it. That's what inheritance allows us to do. So. Let's talk about the rules and how this actually works in ABAP. Anything that we say, this is going to be something that is relevant for us and also useful for our children. If from the very beginning we're thinking in terms of creating a hierarchy like this, all of the things that are in common go in the parent or the superclass. So literally what I would say to myself is, okay, what are all the attributes and methods that are universally relevant for all documents? And I put them in the document. And then when I start thinking in terms of FI documents for financial accounting, I say to myself, okay, I already have all of this stuff up here. What other things are universally relevant for just FI documents? And I add those things. And it may be a small set of things, or it may be rather extensive. And then as I move down the tree, as I think in terms of an asset depreciation document, I say, okay, what are all the things that I don't already have that are relevant for me as an asset depreciation document? And I add those things in. So this idea of common attributes and methods are defined in the, in the super class. So, and I'm kind of reiterating this and saying it a few different ways just to make so we're all clear. Asset depreciation as a class has all the stuff that it defines, plus all the stuff in the FI class, plus all the stuff in the DOC class. The FI document has all the stuff that's defined in it, and all the stuff that's defined in DOC. DOC just has the stuff that's defined in it. So the, the flow of inheritance uh, depending on how you want to think of it as either flowing downward or upward, as long as you understand the, the concepts as I just explained it, I think you'll be fine. Items defined in the superclass, or the parent class if you will, are inherited in the subclasses and considered to be a part of their definition. So it avoids redundant definitions of things, it avoids us writing redundant code, and it promotes this concept of programming by difference, where the subclass only has to think in terms of, okay, what do I need to add to this because I am not the same as my parent. 
And that's what's going on here in this situation. As I mentioned a moment ago, ABOP supports only singular inheritance. So a subclass can only have one parent. Some programming languages support what's called multiple inheritance, where you can actually have a given class that has more than one parent. And in situations like that, this can get very, very confusing very, very quickly. So it is not uncommon for programming languages to simplify this by saying we only support singular inheritance. And that's what ABOP in fact does. So, question. In comparing the superclass and the subclass, which is more specific, the superclass or the subclass? The subclass, okay? And if you hesitated on that, uh, make sure that you reflect on this and, and understand that because it's a key element uh, that you will leverage a lot. Okay, so now that we understand the concept, let's look at how we, we write the code. In the child class, we add the clause inheriting from and then the name of our parent class to the first line of the class definition. Okay, So this is the definition, not the implementation, but the definition would say class PO document definition. And before we just put a period there. Now we amend that statement to say class PO document definition inheriting from and then the name of the class that is our parent. It is important to note that the inheriting class cannot delete anything from the parents. Let's just pause there for a moment. If you say, I am an FI document, but I don't need a date, then we kind of have a breakdown in our inheritance scheme. Because the general idea is that what's relevant for the parent is relevant for you. And that's why we are building this hierarchy. So it's kind of just like in real life. You may have inherited something genetically from your parent, and if you don't like it, tough luck. You know, you got it, like it or not. And so that's what's going on here. The inheriting class of the child cannot delete anything from the parent, but it can redefine method implementations. Okay, so if your parent class defines 10 attributes, you get those 10 attributes. Can't do anything about it, they are now yours. Your parent class also defines seven methods. You look at those seven methods and you say five of them are fine just the way they are, but in order for this particular method to be relevant, I, I need to actually, I want to change the way the method behaves. I can do that by redefining the implementation of the method. Now, when I redefine a method's implementation, the interface, meaning the parameter passing, and the visibility must remain unchanged. All right, so if my parent defines a method, do something, and the parent do something method says that it imports two integer values, I can't change that. I can change what the method does in its, in its guts, but I cannot change the parameter passing. So let me give you a hypothetical example. 
One of the things that is in my document class right here is a date field. And I define a method called setDate that allows me to set the date associated with a particular document. And in my document class, my logic here is really, really simple. I take the date that I'm passed and I assign it to my attribute, just like code we've written before. Well, a child of type financial accounting document uh, inherits the date attribute and inherits the set date method. But we have a new rule as it relates to a financial accounting document. And in my hypothetical example, in my new rule, you cannot set the date of a financial accounting document more than a month in the past. So with us being here at April 18th of 2016, I could set the date of this document for today at any point in the future, or I forget how many, what did I say the rule was? A month. Okay, so I could set it anywhere from 3-18-2016 to any point moving forward. And so the idea is that the set date method here for this financial accounting document now needs some logic in it to check to make sure that it is being given a valid date. And only if it's given a valid date will it let me set that for the financial accounting document. So what I want to do is I want to change the way the set date method works. And I absolutely can do that through this, through this redefinition mechanism. But the key is the parent class said that set date has one importing parameter and it is, uh, let's just say for example, named new date and its type is, is D. Well, I can change the functionality of set date, but I have to work within the constraints of understanding that my set date method has to take in an importing attribute, or excuse me, an importing parameter called new date of type D. I cannot redefine the interface. The interface stays exactly as it has been defined for my parent, but I can change the actual guts of the code itself and what it does. So, note the rule here, when redefining a method's implementation, the interface, meaning the parameter passing, can't be changed, and the visibility can't be changed. So if set date were designated up here as a public method, plus sign is how you normally denote that, then my redefinition of set date down here also has to be public. I can't make it private or something different than that. So I can redefine the implementation, but the interface and the visibility rules can't be changed. The child class's definition, the method is called now a redefinition. So what we would see is this, down in the the implementation section of my child class, 
normally we would see methods and then the name of the method and then the period and then we would see the guts of that method. Well, if we are redefining a method, we would have the keyword methods and the name of the method and then the keyword redefinition. And in fact, if we back up to the bullet point immediately above what I just said, since the interface is already defined in the parent, it's not listed in the child. So in the definition section of the child class, we would see no reference at all to this display doc method. But what we would see is a change here in the implementation section. So um, I want us to write some code together, and I will give you a choice. I have uh, an example that we could do together based on animals, or we could do an example based on documents, like I've put here on the whiteboard. Okay? Um, I don't care which we do. How many of you want to do animals? Wow, okay. How many of you want to do documents? Nobody wants to do one. Okay, <laughs> so you lose. Sorry. Okay, so, all right, so what we have to do is we have to define the parent class, right? So we're going to write some code together, but we're going to keep this really, really simple because if we can do it simple, then you can do it for adding more attributes and so on. So I, I start off here, a class animal definition, okay? And uh, end class, and then I'll go ahead and do this, class animal implementation end class okay and uh, I'm going to decide that my um, class here will do a public section and uh, when it comes to attributes we're going to keep this really simple uh, my animal has a name so name type string um, and because it's public, we'll make it read only. And uh, let's see, what else does uh, animal have? These are going to be like more Disney kind of animals as opposed to like, you know, real king of the jungle kind of animals. So uh, it has a name. It has a, uh, a sound that it makes. Sound type string read only. And um, it has a, a birthday. Birthday type D read only. Okay? And, and just to make this, well, this looks good. Okay? We could add more stuff here, but that's, that's clearly not the point of this example. And so uh, what do we need in the way of, of methods? Okay? Well, we are going to find that we will... Uh, need a uh, constructor method, methods constructor, and um, our constructor method will importing, uh, and we'll do uh, name, type, string, and um, we'll set a default value here of no name, and then uh, importing uh, sound type string and we'll go and set a default sound as well of no sound or I guess it makes sense silent 
add birthday type D and um, we won't specify a default value for a birthday. We'll just basically leave it as, as uh, empty if the user doesn't give us a birthday. Okay, and uh, we'll make one other method here, methods, and we will call this speak. And the speak method will not take in any, any parameters at all. Okay. Now, my class won't have any private section at all. I don't need any private attributes. I don't need any private methods. And so this is my whole uh, class definition at this point, unless I have made a typo or syntax error or such. But I don't see any red, and no one has complained about anything, so I think I'm good so far. And so now I'll come down here to my implementation. And in my implementation, I just have to uh, define the the action of my of my different methods here so method constructor and then end method and what I'll do here is what we have seen before me name equals name me sound equals sound Should not have a space there me birthday equals birthday. So there's my constructor, okay? And uh, and I actually, I probably need another method here too. So I'm going to do a speak method and then, and I'm going to get rid of some of the extra white space here just to uh, save screen real estate. I'm going to do a method called um, show, okay? And so neither of them are going to have any parameter, so parameter passing associated with them. And so I have method speak, and this is going to uh, write out to the screen as a uh, new line of output, my name is, and then uh, the name of the animal and I say and then the sound okay. and method and then lastly method show right colon new line uh, name and then we'll jump over to say column 15 name right sound Okay, and unless I mess up with the slashes and everything else, I think I have written generally code that makes sense. Syntax check, yep, I, I messed up the slashing here. After star, there must be a space. So, fix that up. Why didn't I have space? 
So save and do another syntax check here. Okay, so, so far so good. And now, uh, like I asked you to do for your last homework, now we just need to write some code to test this out. So start of selection and uh, data um, dog type ref2 animal and um, I have a constructor but I'm going to just leave it not employ the constructor at all and then see what happens when I do dog show I thought I did, but I, I sh obviously didn't. That's my question. Where did my program go? I saved it multiple times. I've never seen that happen before. Uh, it's just got to be a refresh error. How bizarre is that? There it is. Yeah, I knew I could find it's this. I'm, I would have to rebuild this. I don't know why it does that, but I've seen it. Somebody had that happen to them like the first week of the semester. Um, I forget who it was, and we, we had to fix it. Okay, so here's my program back again, and so let me fix this. Uh, yeah, and I didn't do uh, create... What's the syntax I need here? Tell me. Uh, what? Create object. Create object doc. Exactly. All right. So now let's cross our fingers. And birthday. Oh, oh, oh. It is obligatory because I did not define a default value. So if I don't want it to be obligatory, how do I fix this? Optional. Optional. All right. There we go. So name, no name, sound, silent, birthday, no birthday actually set here. All right. So now we want to create a child of animal. And so I am going to declare that uh, what would be a what would be a more specific kind of animal that I might want to encode in a class. Well, I could get into, yeah, let's think in terms of genetics, and, and so feline might be a kind of animal. I'll buy that, okay? So we are now going to define the feline class. So class feline definition inheriting from animal, okay? And I'm going to go ahead and do just like I did a second ago, end class and then class feline implementation end class all right so here's here's the rules in the definition i have all of these attributes already name sound and birthday do i want to add more attributes and for the sake of this 
we will we will come up with an attribute to add. Okay, there we go. Thank you. I was trying to figure out what in the world could we add as an attribute here. And so we'll do uh, data statement uh, has tail uh, type. I'm going to make it a, I guess we'll make this a type C. Uh, so it'll be a single character. And we'll know that it's either Y or or n okay and uh, because this is a public attribute we will define this to be read only we could add more attributes here but we don't need to for the sake of for the sake of this all right and so do i want to add any new any new methods okay and and just to show you that i could uh, we'll do that we'll we'll add a methods here methods and we'll call this method cat parade okay and so that will now be a new method so now I come down here to my class feline implementation so I have the constructor method the speak method and the show method that I am getting from my parent so the question I have for you is, do I need to redefine the way any of those methods work? No. All right, I have people shaking their head no. I will give you a hint. You need to redefine the constructor to add in the constructor. I need to redefine the constructor to take care of now this new has tail. Do I need to redefine anything else? I don't know that it needs to go into speak, but to me it definitely needs to go into show, right? I mean, the intent of show is to show the values of all the attributes. So I need to redefine the constructor, and I need to define the show method, all right? So that's what we need to do. Well, let me show you, no pun intended, a few more points on the slide here um, because there's just a couple more things we need to know. The first thing is, is I can come down here, and this is what we've already covered, and I can say I want to redefine a method. And I do that by in the implementation, I list the, the blah, excuse me here, I cannot talk, I list the method and I'm going to be redefining uh, what did we say show redefinition and that does not that goes here okay so in the definition I list the methods statement, the name of the method, and that this is going to be a, a redefinition. And I um, don't intend to revise the speak one. Uh, I do intend to do some things with the constructor, but let's, let's leave the constructor alone for, for just this, a second here. Now, let's assume for the sake of argument that up here in my, in my definition for speak or for show originally there were parameters here 
and it had importing and exporting and, and whatever else. It listed those here as a part of the show method. I don't list those down here. All I can do is say I want to take a method that already exists, the show method, and redefine it. I never list parameters here. I am stuck with the interface defined by the parent. And in this case, the interface is no, no parameter passing at all. So I want to redefine the show method. So let's take care of that here. And so I'll come down here now and uh, method show and you might be thinking well all I want to do is take this code up here and do it again and then I want to add the the line for for has a tail and I could do exactly what I just did by cutting the show method and, and putting that code there and then adding an additional write statement that would say um, write uh, has tail question mark uh, 15 has tail okay that that would be perfectly valid for for me to do but that does not adhere to what we said we wanted to do which was to minimize actually writing code if I want to call in a method the method of my parent I can use the the statement super to do so So, what I can do here is this. Instead of putting in the code from show, I can do this. Super show. So now, it's going to use my parents' show method, and then it's going to write out the has tail attribute as well, because I'm tacking that on. So to go back to the PowerPoint slide here for, for just a moment. Uh, to call the method of a parent, such as when you want to call the original method as a part of the method's redefinition, we use super. So we put super, the arrowhead, the name of the method. Now in this case, the show method has no parameter passing. But if I were calling a method that had importing parameters or, or other parameter passing, I, I would need to put parameters here inside of the parentheses to take care of the requisite parameter passing. So hypothetically, if I had a method that let me take in all new values for attributes, so it let me pass to the method a new name, a new sound, a new birthday, and whether or not the cat has a tail or not, then what I would do is I could do super, call the, the setter method of the parent class, but then I would have to pass along the data that I have about what I want the new name, the new sound, and the new birthday to be. Okay, So super gives us the ability to, to invoke a class of our parents without, without difficulty. We left the constructor alone a second ago. Let's talk about constructors for a minute because they have some special rules. A subclass can use the superclass constructor as it is. 
Um, if you, for whatever reason, maybe didn't define any new attributes or you just don't need different functionality in the constructor, there's no law that says you have to change the constructor. But if you want to create a new subclass constructor, you do not use the keyword redefinition. You write the subclass constructor exactly like you would if it were a normal constructor not involved in inheritance situation. Now, I'm going to ask you a hard question and uh, don't blurt out the answer for those of you that get it right away because I want everyone to have a chance to think about it and then I'll, I'll ask someone to tell us. Why do we have to do this? Why is it that constructors need the ability for us to rewrite them from the ground up and treat them as a special case. Think about that for I'll give you 25 seconds and then I want someone to answer that for us. Why do we have to treat constructors as a special case? Okay, who can tell us? Why do we have to create constructors as a special case? I guess I did not need to add the prohibition of don't shout out the answer as soon as it comes to you a moment ago. Maybe somehow the child has different characteristics. Well, the child has different attributes, uh, at least potentially, but that you know, is the case with the other methods that we're redefining. What, yes sir? The constructor generally needs to import to fill those attributes. If they can't import any things, then you can't really fill those attributes. And so, all right, you're headed the right direction. There's one thing you didn't explicitly state that I think you understand. Why, why then is that, a, why is that different than a regular old method? It's used every time the object is instantiated. That's true. That's true. Okay. Remember that regularly with methods, I cannot define, I cannot change their interface. So up here, if my document only has the date attribute, the constructor would take in uh, as an importing parameter a date to allow us to set the date. Well, in my FI document, my FI document has an attribute for date and an FI for company code. If I were bound by the parameter passing of my parent, how do I set the company code when I create a new FI document? And the answer is I can't. So the rule here, the exception that we have for constructors is a constructor method is the only kind of method that is not bound by the parameter passing of its parents and can define its own parameter passing as, as it would like to. And so that's what we are going to do here. Um, actually, let me go back to my PowerPoint slide and make sure I set everything that I had there on the text. Yeah, so, so far so good. All right, so my feline class needs a constructor. So I will come up here and 
methods constructor okay now let's come up here and here I will do some copying and pasting I'll take these guys right here and my constructor is going to import the name the sound the birthday will still make that optional and then the has tail type C and we'll set the default value to I think cats I think more cats have tails than don't have tails so we will make the default value here Y okay so see what's happening what I'm doing here is because I now have an attribute that my my parent didn't have I've got to take care of that in my constructor because most of the time the intent of your constructor is to is to manage the setting of initial values for your for your attributes so now I've got to come down here in my implementation and define the guts of this so method constructor and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put in the end method statement and so now we face the same situation as a moment ago which is okay should I just copy all of this code up here and paste it down here and then add to it or or is there a way that I can just call the constructor up here and the answer to that is I can call my parents constructor and if I do that I use super just like we talked about a moment ago so we have this now super constructor so I'm gonna pass this I'm gonna be calling my parents constructor and now what I need to do is I need to take care of the parameter passing okay and my my parents constructor takes in a name and I have data coming to me in a parameter called name it's right here so name equals name sound equals sound birthday equals birthday now where does me go in that statement no where does me go in that statement nowhere, nowhere is the right answer I was hoping someone would say on the right side but it doesn't go anywhere because I am not making any reference at all to attributes this is strictly parameter passing I'm saying set the name of the name parameter for the method that I'm calling to be the value of the name parameter that was passed to me when I was called so I'm just going to call my parents constructor and then the last thing I'm going to do is do me has tail equals has tail now this can be potentially really really confusing so I, I just want to make sure we understand this so so let me draw a picture down here is my my executable code so this is after start of selection and I say I want to create a feline ok 
okay? So I have the statement where I'm doing the create object, and, and I have to set parameters for my, my constructor. When we did this a few moments ago, we relied on the default constructor, but let's, let's change that here for our dog. Remember we said that create object dog, if we, yes sir? We also don't want to forget our cat parade method. Yes, we'll have to take care of that. So we'll come back to that in a second. But let's, you know, keep, remember this, we would do create object dog, and uh, we have parameters here for, um, name, sound, and birthday. So we'll do name equals Snoopy. Um, sound equals, I don't know what Snoopy says, woof. Birthday equals, and I have no idea when he was born, so we'll actually stick with the default value here. Okay, now I, I have, a, have a red equal sign here. What is, what is wrong with the code that I have written here? Um, do I need exporting in this situation? Exporting seemed to get rid of the red. Now we are going to get flagged for a syntax error related to what Joseph pointed out a second ago, which I haven't defined pet cat parade yet. Let, let me do that real quick. Uh, method cat parade uh, end method and write yay cats on parade. Okay, there's my cat parade method, all right, which we may redefine in a moment to be much uh, more involved than my current cat parade method. So let's check this, and, and this looks good. All right, so now, notice what's going to happen here when we run this. Here's, here's Snoopy, and his sound is woof, and, and he has a birthday, okay? So now we want to create a, a friend for, for Snoopy, and so we would do this, data, Caps lock key is not my friend. Data cat type ref to feline create object object cat exporting name equals Garfield, Garfield. Uh, sound equals I love lasagna. Um, I, I don't know Garfield's birthday, but just to show you we could set it. Birthday equals um, January 1st, 1955. Okay, I miss thank you, birthday. And now, the idea is, because this is a, a feline, uh, the constructor here also takes in has tail. And so, has tail equals, and I'm pretty sure Garfield does have a tail. Okay, so 
Now what I'm going to do is after all of that, I'll, I'll put in an underline and then I'm going to call cat show. All right, before we run this, let's point out a couple of things here. I have different constructors, which is why I am able to export things to the constructor for the cat that I cannot export to the constructor for the dog. If I tried to put has tail up here, it would reject that because that's not a parameter associated with the animal class. It's only something associated with, with the feline class. All right? And the way this is going to work is, and this is the picture I started to draw a moment ago, when I call the constructor here, which I'm doing implicitly by creating this. So down here, I, I, I'm making a call to the constructor. Here's my, here's my feline class. So when I call the constructor, I'm going to be passing to it uh, name, sound, birthday, and as tail. But this particular constructor, you could think of it as it's being lazy or it's just being efficient with its code. It says, I don't want to have to write all the code associated with all of these assignments, particularly because my parent has a constructor that already does most of this. So what it's going to do is it's going to bundle up the attributes that I have circled here because they're the things that the parent class is looking for. And so here's animal. And so it's going to call the constructor and pass it just name, sound, and birthday. So what's actually happened is down here, I defined the name. It got passed to this constructor that then took it and passed it on to this constructor. And then I did the same thing with sound and it passed it here, and then it passed it to its parent. Birthday went here, then up to its parent, but then has tail, can't pass that to the parent because the parent doesn't have code to manage whether or not something has a tail, so it has to manage it all on its own, which is why my code, therefore, looks like what you see here on line 58, where the first thing I do is call my parents constructor, pass along the data that I got that it needs, and then I take care of managing the tail. So, let's cross our fingers. I think, uh, I think it starts year. Uh, format perfect. Yeah, I think it does. I think that's what I'm missing here. There we go. So there's Garfield and the fact that Garfield loves lasagna and there's his birthday and, and there we, we have the tail for Garfield. Okay, now let's try a couple things here. Um, cat, cat parade.
Yay, cats on parade. Okay? Dog. Cat parade. Method cat parade is unknown. Okay? Why is it unknown? Well, because I tried to take a method that's from my child and apply it to the parent. Can't do that. Now, I have no problem doing that with the constructor, as we saw, and as with the, the show method, like we saw. Um, we could call the... Whoops. It just went to a different program. Uh, I could call the show method because that's part of my parent. Let's see, what else does my parent have? Oh, speak. Okay, I could do cat speak. Okay, and what this is going to say is my name is Garfield and I say I love lasagna. Okay, now suppose I told you that I wanted the speak method to say for, for the child, I am a cat, hear me roar. Okay, that was what it's going to say. Can we do that? Sure. We just come here and we, we redefine the method for, um, for what was that called, speak. Now you notice right now, I didn't redefine speak. So I am just using the parent speak method. But I could come down here and say, hey, I want to redefine that method. So methods speak redefinition. Can't change the parameter passing, but that's okay. There's no parameter passing there anyhow. And then I come down here and say method speak uh, end method. Why did I turn that red? Oh, period here. Uh, right. Uh, cats are cool. Okay? And so now, if I, for the dog, call speak, I'm going to clean up some of this other stuff. So if I'm a dog and I speak, we're going to find out what a dog says. And then we'll find out what a cat says when I ask it to speak. Okay. So the dog is just really, you know, all the facts. Snoopy, Wolf, and his birthday. He's like, you know, name, rank, and serial number. That's what the dog gives you. Whereas the, the cat is just going to say, uh, or actually he says, my name is Snoopy and I say Wolf. Whereas you ask a cat and the cat just says, cats are cool. Okay. So I can redefine it. Or... And obviously this is a very silly example. Um, you won't find probably this exact code in a real-world production environment, I'm sure. But I could say, all right, you know, what I want to have happen here is when the child classes speak method is called, I want to call the parents speak method and then add after that just as a footnote, just so everybody knows that, that cats, in fact, are, are cool, okay? And so um, I'm going to comment out the, the dog show here. 
And so now, when we ask the dog, he says, my name is Snoopy and I say woof. When we ask the cat, the cat says, my name is Garfield and I say I love lasagna, and then kind of tacks on, cats are cool. So in the redefinition, I kind of have two choices. I can leverage the code that's a part of my parent if it's relevant. And if it is relevant, I want to do that. I don't want to write a bunch of code that I don't need. So typically, I'm going to make a call to my parent class, and then I'm going to add on my code after that. Questions? And that's, that's kind of all there is to it. Now let's look at the remaining bullet points I have here. If I want to, in the context of a constructor, call the parent constructor, that has to be the first thing that I do in the subclass constructor. Okay, so, so let's look at that for a second. In my code here, for the child class, for the constructor, I say super constructor, and I have the parameter passing. So at that point, calling my parent's constructor. What my last bullet point just said is, I can't do this. I can't take care of my work first and then call my parent. Okay, if I try to do this, it's going to be flagged as, as a syntax error. Okay, so what I have to do is if I, in the context of my constructor, want to call my parent, it has to be the very first thing I do in the constructor. I've got a blank line here, it's not going to care about a blank line, and in fact this is, is going to work fine. Okay, so we have that rule as it relates to the constructor. We don't have that rule as it relates to other methods. So down here, when I use the speak method of my parent and then tack on cats are cool, I could say cats are cool first and then call the speak method of my parent and just drop a underscore in here so we can see the difference and, and we're going fact going to in fact see that that is just fine so for any other situation I can call another method by using this technique anywhere in the method but for the constructor if I want to call the constructor of my parent I do that as the very first thing okay questions now, for those of you that are into, um, I guess you'd say, the more formal definition of what's going on here, it is notable that the constructor is the only method in ABOP objects that's overloaded. Uh, the idea of having two active methods at the same time that share the same name with different parameter passing. That's just an aside. You don't really have to concern yourself with that, but it's, it's a characteristic of object-oriented programming, and that tells you how ABOP handles it. Questions? Okay, let's uh, add a few more rules here, and, and then we'll be done for today. Everything we've done has been with private, or excuse me, has been with public. What if we were talking about private attributes or private methods? 
what does that change? Well, a private component, a private attribute or a private method of a superclass cannot be referenced directly by the subclass. The elements can only be accessed if made available by the superclass through public methods. What in the world am I saying there? Okay, let's go back to our, our document hierarchy over here and let me clear up some things here. Okay, our document has a date attribute. And what we've been doing is we've been making that public read-only. And we have observed that that's perfectly a great way to do it. And I will assert that probably after what I show you next, you'll be even more on board with public read-only. But if I designated this attribute to be private, which we'll illustrate here by a minus sign, then what we would have to do was we would have to have two public methods, probably called getDate and setDate. And remember we talked about that, those are accessor and mutator methods. Okay? So understand the scenario. The, the parent in this case has defined a private attribute and has defined two public methods to allow me to manipulate and access that. So somebody outside of this class can't access date directly. So fi is a child. Does fi have date as an attribute? Yes. Can fi reference that directly? No. In other words, could fi do something like this? Me date equals and then a, a date. And the answer to that is no. This cannot access date directly. You say, hold on a second. I got date from my parent. I inherited it. It's mine. Yes, but for whatever reason your parent did not trust you and so he or she set it to be private. So you say, well then how in the world do I set the date if I want to do that? I call the set date method. Exactly. I call my parent and say set it for me. Or if I want to if I want to just read the value, I call my parent and say, "Hey, hey, get me that date." Okay? Now, as we observed, if I do a public attribute and set it to read only, I get all the benefits of security, and because it's public, I can access it directly. I can just say date equals whatever. But if a private component, either an attribute or a method of a superclass, I cannot reference that in the subclass. The elements can only be accessed if made available by the superclass through the public methods. So my parent had to create these public methods, and the parent basically is saying, uh, if you want to set the date, you do it like everybody else does, you ask me to set it for you. Okay? So that's a rule associated with private things. And this is done just to ensure security of data. So we have public and private. In the context of inheritance, we pick up a third visibility modifier. Attributes and methods can be designated as protected. A protected resource 
is defined in the protected section of the class definition. So up till now we've had a public section and perhaps a private section. Now we're going to see we could have a public section, a protected section, and a private section. Protected resources are visible within the class and its children. So it's similar to saying this is public to me and my kids, but to everybody else it's private. Okay? That's the idea behind protected. So if date were not declared to be private in the parent, but was declared to be to be protected, then I could say date equals whatever in a child in the child. And I would not have to worry about using the public methods. So it is very, very common for us to see in a complex class definition where we have some things that are declared to be public, which means they're universally visible to the world, hopefully with read-only protection. And then we might have some things that are protected, and the idea there is that they're, they're essentially like public to the class hierarchy, but outside of the class they're treated like they're private, and then we have private there as well. So what this means is when we're defining an object, we potentially see a public section, a protected section, and a private section. And they would appear in that order in the code. Question. Yes. So in the diagram you got on the board, where you got the asset depreciation, would it be able to do the, with the protected? Yep. Yeah, if it's protected up here, it goes the whole way down the hierarchy, being protected. Absolutely so. Other questions? Now, we obviously don't have time to practice with this today. Um, let me show you one more set of facts, and then we'll, we'll be done. What about static stuff? Remember class methods and class data? A class shares static attributes with its children in the same fashion as other attributes. Okay? So, so everything here is just like we talked about. It gets inherited. It can be public. It can be private. It can be protected. A class shares static methods with its children. But this is a fun one. You can't redefine those. You're stuck with those. Don't know why. That actually kind of strikes me as an odd design decision for the language. And I'm sure if we really, really dug into it, we might be able to figure out why that is. But for our sake, we'll just remember that particular rule. You cannot redefine a static method. We are out of time. Between now and when we get together on Wednesday, be sure to go through this. The quiz on Wednesday will cover through what we've talked about today, so I would expect to see some questions as it relates to inheritance. My thought is that probably what we will do on Wednesday is do another example together. Okay? And then at that point, I'll be ready to give you a homework assignment related to inheritance. And then the one thing we have left after that to talk about is polymorphism. And we'll probably start talking about polymorphism on Wednesday, um, clean up the mess after everyone's brains explode, and then come back on Monday and finish talking about it, and, and then kind of be done with this semester. I, I, I say that jokingly. Polymorphism is one of those things that you can stare at and stare at and stare at and say, 
I don't get this. And then all of a sudden, you get it. And you're like, wow, that's beautiful. But until you get to that, wow, that's beautiful point, it can seem like a riddle that has no solution. So that's what we have to look forward to on Wednesday. Can you put the animal up online? I will put the animal up online. Yes, I will do that, assuming. Well, it looks like the Internet's with us, so I will do that before I leave here in just a second. Have a great afternoon, everyone. I don't know where the sign-in sheet made it to, but if you haven't signed in, please do so. And then if I could get that sheet, that would be super. Do we know everything about the